This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Happy Tuesday. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. It's Jeremy Warner and Joey Wagner. We got more Illinois football commitments to talk about is Illinois on its final official visit weekend of June has two jump on board in the days afterwards. Could there be more? We'll chat about it. But Amar Reynolds, now a three-star prospect according to 24-7 Sports. Another Florida defensive back joins the Illini Florida heavy secondary. We'll talk about Amar Reynolds, what he brings to the program, what this means for the DB board for Illinois, and another in-state prospect. A Big Ten recruiting win as Illinois beats out Wisconsin. Purdue uh, also offered Joe Barna, the three-star Wheaton North Edge, and Oklahoma. Oh, Illinois in an Oklahoma battle again, Joey Wagner. But two more on board. We're up to 13 commitments. This has been a whirlwind month for Illinois football, but uh, a pretty good recruiting month so far. Yeah, what we thought it was going to be, build your class out and, and you know kind of fill out the fringes, I guess maybe not the best way to put it, in the fall and into the winter for signing day. But the, the, the first one, the first weekend, we should start by that. Like the first weekend was so big and so massive. And like by Monday, it's like five guys that jumped on board with Illinois. It's a little slower this time. I, we, we think there's still going to be a good uh, turnout with it for Illinois, but not quite the wave of commitments beginning at like 8 p.m. on Sunday. Yeah, I, I prefer this kind of, you know, spread out a little bit. Business-wise, it's great. Yes. Content-wise, it helps us a little bit. I mean, the few days of traffic and interest, it's it's fun. I get it for the program, Uh, but uh, it does sound like this might be a little bit more spread out. But, yeah, I don't expect this is it uh, out of this last weekend. I expect Illinois to add some more. I'm very, very confident they will add more uh, in, in the coming weeks. But let's reset this from a big picture, and then we'll focus on the individuals here, Joey. Just to update our official visit tracker stat, right? Illinois has commitments from 13 of its 27 official visitors so far. Now, two of those guys were on board before their official visits. Brandon Hansen, three-star in-state offensive lineman, and Angela McCollum, three-star defensive lineman, uh, out of uh, Ohio. But uh, Trey Petty committed on an official visit right after that um, in April, and now you've had 10 more guys jump on board uh, from the official visit slate during the last month. So uh, only one of the other guys is committed elsewhere, Joey, and 13 remain uncommitted elsewhere. Um, So they're going to land more than half of their official visitors from April through June. That's a pretty dang good hit rate, Um, as long as they add a couple more, and I do think they'll add a couple more. Yeah, it's it's becoming very clear that there are some shoot-your-shot official visitors, and we can talk about those later on. Um, but it's very clear that the guys that they have coming in are there's like a mutual top three, top five interest um, in those guys, which you're seeing lead to that hit rate. And they, by all measures, Jeremy, do a good job on those recruiting weekends. Uh, we, we've talked about it at length. You've written about the puppies, which turned out to be uh, quite the hit. But like they, they do really take advantage of everything that they're able to do on those weekends and people buy in and I talked to Brandon Hansen last night who visited over the weekend and I mean look we, we've talked about it and the, the family thing can be cheesy a little bit but he said when, when you've got to get on campus to feel it and I think that's a message to a lot of these guys is get on campus feel it and then like there does seem to be an energy we, we don't know we're not there uh, but it's very clear there's something happening on those visit weekends. Yeah, and everybody mentions the family feel. And everybody always seems to mention, Joey, like, I know this is cheesy, 
but they they talk about family a lot. But again, like we've talked about before, it becomes genuine when they get on campus. Um, so I think one of the refrains we've kind of gotten here recently from visitors, I think you've heard from a couple guys, I've heard from a couple guys, is they are your coaches, and you feel like they're your coaches, but they also feel like more than that. They feel like an uncle or you know something like that, like an actual somebody closer to you than just kind of this football transaction. So um, if they're building that and recruits actually feel that and the players feel that years into their tenure, I think that's a positive vibe within the program. And we've heard from Josh Whitman that you know he has exit meetings with players and usually they can be positive, but I don't think they've always been positive in the past for everybody. And he said even players who have transferred out like feel like the program's heading in the right direction, at least in that regard. So that, that's you got good vibes on campus. Uh, that translates to the players. That translates to the parents. That translates to the recruits. Yeah, there are a couple of things I want to unpack. I don't know that you and I have talked about this, um, but Brett Bielma last week did mention that like the official visits are – like he doesn't want to host official visits when his guys aren't on campus because those are the best salesmen for his program or are the guys who are in the program. Uh, I also want to talk like the player host thing because it's kind of one of those things we've learned to ask over the last, like with this program is who, who's your host? What's the message there? And I don't know, I'd like to ask Brett Bielman more about this, but if you notice the, it's usually, and some of it's probably, you know, you're not going to ask seniors to spend a weekend or whatever. It's usually those true or redshirt freshmen. And like, they're, they're already selling it. And those are Brett Bielma's guys, by the way, and the staff's guys, but they're selling it uh, pretty high uh, to, to those guys that they're hosting. One guy who's a frequent guy who's older is, uh, and a guy who decided to not play for Brett Bielma originally is Casey Washington. Uh, so I, I find his perspective really interesting since he left the program for a little bit, you know, played under Lovey Smith. Uh, and, and can give you some perspective there. So uh, he's been a guy who's been involved uh, as well. But, yeah, I mean, the player hosts, they, they do – I talked to the recruiting staffers about that. They do kind of a survey of guys, whether they like to do it, whether they're interested in do it, and then they try to match up the personalities, the backgrounds. Of course, you usually get Florida guys with Florida guys. Uh, usually get in-state guys with in-state guys, but it's usually just a personality kind of base. And seem to be doing a pretty good job with that, and, and Brett Bielma does open it up to – Hey, they can have uh, a meeting, the players, uh, the prospects, and the parents just with the current players. Now, usually they're only going to be players in that, that say something positive, but uh, they say they don't tell them what to say. Um, and it seems like those go pretty well and that they're, they're asked blunt questions about the program. So uh, when, when you got players recruiting the prospects pretty well, that usually translates pretty well. All right, let's talk about some of these guys that they're adding. Let's start with... Um, the one that just happened today, Joey, uh, as we're recording this on Tuesday, and that's Joe Barna, three-star prospect out of Wheaton North, uh, his uh, big-time recruiting win for Illinois, and we have to mention the first prep prospect landed by Charlie Bullen, the first-year outside linebackers coach. Uh, so I'll let you take the floor here initially, Joey. What, what stands out to you about this? I mean, the fact that they were able, like you're seeing more success in places, the Chicago suburbs that Illinois has gotten kind of cooked on um, in, in the past years. And to be able to go land those guys, like you're, you're fighting Wisconsin and, and you look at the offer list, which is important, but I think you've got to look at the, the timing of the offers. Oklahoma offered Joe Barna 12 days ago. Like this isn't a, an offer that came out late sophomore year, early junior year, and, and maybe wasn't something that held. He, he got an offer 12 days ago. Kansas offered in the middle of May. It's like, this is a this is a good win for Illinois and to, to beat Wisconsin. He took an official to Wisconsin. This wasn't one of those, like, you know, you saw Tyshawn Griffin who didn't visit anywhere. I mean, Joe Barner took some visits and ended up committing to Illinois. And you're right, first prep recruiting win for Charlie Bolin. Uh, obviously, you got Lane Jenkins, a junior college transfer earlier this offseason. Uh, but you're, I, I'm really eager to talk to Joe later on this afternoon because I want to know more about Charlie Bowen and what makes him um, – what somebody we think could be a good recruiter. It's too early to say, like, to plant the flag and say good recruiter. Uh, but certainly the signs are there, and, he, and he's been a net positive for Illinois by our read. 
Yeah, and what he's done with uh, Marquise Lightfoot, uh, getting Illinois into there. I, I think Charlie Bowen, just meeting him, you and I have talked with him. He's really personable, Joey. Um, I, I think he's doing a really good job on the recruiting trail. And, you know, you talk to people within the program, they say he's a star uh, as a recruiter. For a guy, let's be honest, it was fair to have questions about him as a recruiter because he's never done it before. Like, he was brought in. Uh, I think mostly to get the most out of Seth Coleman, to get the most out of Gabe Ackes, the talent that Kevin Kane and Brett Bielma had kind of recruited at this outside linebacker position. But now he's adding more depth to that. And it starts with, with Joe Barna, uh, 6'4", about 240, 250. Some are recruiting him as a defensive lineman, but he's basically a defensive end, outside linebacker. I like that he's going to be st- a stand-up edge rusher for the most part at Illinois, but he can't put his, his hand on the ground. And I hate to make the comp. I, I hate to do the white guy thing, but he looks like every Wisconsin outside linebacker we've seen for the past decade. Now, I don't know if I'm going to go T.J. Watt level there, but, you know, the Nick Herbigs of the world, like what stands out to me about Joe Barna is his use of his hands is really developed. Uh, he's a great hand fighter, really strong. Uh, he's got good feet, always driving forward, and he's just tenacious uh, off the edge. So uh, maybe not like the, the physically most intimidating. Like Seth Coleman, he doesn't have that length. I don't think he's quite as strong as Gabe Ackes quite yet. But a really developed prospect for a guy who just completed his junior year. And for me, Joey, it's just him, Eddie Turk, TJ McMillan. These are the type of suburban prospects, as you mentioned, Illinois has not landed enough of over the last several years. These good suburban defensive line prospects, offensive line prospects that Northwestern, Wisconsin, Iowa has stolen from the state, or I guess not Northwestern, but they've stolen from Illinois, uh, and just really developed a strong foundation for a program with. So these are the kind of guys that I think really help build your program for the long term. Barna's going to have time to develop, add strength here, Joey, behind uh, a really good outside linebacker room that, of course, includes Coleman, Ackes. Um, we'll see if Coleman's around for another year or not. Akis will be. Alec Bryant, I'm high on Trey Smith. Uh, Calvin Smith, the, the freshman. Uh, but this is a really talented group, and now Charlie Bolin adds to it. Yeah, it is. This is uh, Kevin Kane and Brett Beal and that coaching staff recruited this well. Uh, so that's what the our question was. What could Charlie Bolin do? Uh, I do want to – you mentioned exactly what we had talked about. Guys that other Big Ten West programs had stolen, like, you, you look at a T.J. McMillan, Eddie Turk, um, Joe Barna. Like, those are guys in three years when you're writing to know the foes. It's like players to know on defense. And it's it's almost – I can almost remember the – I think it was in 2021, Minnesota in particular. It's like another yes. state of Illinois guy, another state of Illinois guy. Like, th- these are those guys who develop into those guys that are on the, hey, you should watch them. Uh, over the course of the game, and, and it's the state of Illinois guy. So you're starting to see Illinois close that gap. That you're never going to shut the door um, on the state of Illinois. That there are states, you know, like Iowa has a – I saw our friend Sean Bach posted that, like, yeah, but state of Illinois is a very populated uh, state in terms of co- where college coaches want to go. But, yeah, uh, the, 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 back to your initial point, Jeremy, the outside linebacker room, I – this is a good addition. We'll see where Pat Farrell ends up. We think he's a guy who could maybe get more insight on the defensive line. But I'm also curious where this goes in the class of 2024 as well. Yeah, I mean, defensive line, um, we know Illinois is excited about the freshman class they brought in. Sounds like Jeremiah Warren and Alex Bray in particular uh, have really shined. You know, Pat Farrell is a guy that I think has the – the size, the length to be a defensive lineman, I think he can add to to his frame. So, you know, you can kind of mix these guys around. That's why it's it's weird on this defense, the Ryan Walters, Brett Bielma defense. Uh, there's a lot of versatility. Like DBs, I don't plug into a certain position because that could change pretty easily. They want guys with versatility. I think on the defensive line, like we've seen Owen Carney play inside on certain downs. We've seen him stand up and, and drop into coverage every once in a while, right? So I think Keith Bar- Randolph. Yeah. I, I, Keith Randolph plays all over. Yeah. Randolph plays, you know, three, four positions on the defensive line. So, yeah, I don't want to lock these guys into he's a stand up edge rusher because I think Barna could play on the edge. I do think Farrell could play on the edge. Like if they wanted a four man front. Those guys can play that. If they want a, a three-man front with the outside linebacker standing up, I think these guys uh, can do that. And that's what makes this defense you know, so unpredictable, hard to prepare for, is that you do have guys uh, who can be versatile. So 
the outside linebacker room looks like it's going to be in good health uh, for a really long time here. Because, I mean, Alec Bryant and Gabe Ackes, both are going to be here at least two more years, right? They could both be here three more years. Uh, and then you add Lane Jenkins to that. Um, and Jared Beatty, I didn't even mention Jared Beatty, who I'm really high on uh, as a prospect. And I think he could potentially crack the rotation this year as, as a redshirt freshman. And then if you add Marquise Lightfoot to it, Joey, like they want to add at least two outside linebackers in this class. Josiah Knight was just on campus. That's going to be a Georgia Tech-Illinois battle. He said he's going to announce a decision probably within the next two weeks. He said July 14th to me, uh, and I think that's that's pretty go- close to a toss-up. Seems like Illinois did a really good job. The Georgia Tech is, is closer to home. Atlanta, big city, seems to intrigue him. They got a good uh, defensive line coach. But uh, I think they would add Knight, and then they'll just find space for Marquise Lightfoot whenever. Um, they'll, they'll take Marquise Lightfoot whenever. And even if uh, Lightfoot commits elsewhere, I would imagine Illinois is going to, like Malik Elsey, uh, take that one to, to signing day. But uh, they're, they're doing a good job. It's it's good to know that you know Kevin Kane and Brett Bielma did a good job building up this room and that Charlie Bowen's going to help continue to build it into a strength. Like, this is – this position is as much as any, right? You feel you feel really good about for the long term. Hundred percent. To your point, there is no universe that anyone at Illinois tells Marquise Lightfoot their fall at any point in time. Yeah. Like you, you will move mountains um, if he's interested in committing to you. Yeah, you will uh, take one fewer DB if that's the case, right? Or maybe not take that linebacker, uh, that will linebacker in this class if you can add somebody like that. All right, let's uh, switch to Amar Reynolds, who committed to Illinois yesterday out of Vero Beach, Florida. Uh, if that sounds familiar, it's because last year Illinois went to Vero Beach uh, and got Nate Gwynn. Gwynn, I always screw up that. Nate Gwynn, uh, tight end, who's a, a freshman here on campus. But Amar Reynolds, another Florida defensive back. I made the lame big daddy joke, Joey, in my coach speak that – Illinois and Florida defensive backs go together like lamb and tuna fish, or if you prefer spaghetti and meatball. So what's uh, what's your takeaway from this? Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's not like they beat out a, a ton of – oh, good. Uh, it's not that they beat out a ton of high-end uh, pros wasn't a big Power 5 recruiting win, but I think it's shown that Aaron Henry, Antonio Fernales – I know you, you covered it not to um, – open up the door on your coach speak, which is yeah, go good VIP content. But um, they they know where to go in the state of Florida, but which I think is is important. That doesn't mean every guy they get out of Florida is going to be a, a stud, but they know where the hot pockets are in, in the state, where the the maybe overlooked programs. Uh, who was the 2023 kid that Aaron Henry said was at a, a school that traditionally what? Remember we were in Florida uh, for the bowl game goodness gracious I'm drawing a blank and he said this is a school that wasn't very good not not a lot of people go through there um but the, he saw the kid and he was really good and I uh, kept it quiet I have to look at go back and look at that but you know that that's they know the the layout of the state there and what works and they also know what they're looking for um in, in Florida defensive backs long aggressive uh, I think we talked about it last time or, or you and I have talked about it previously a lot of the tape is pretty darn similar yeah um, I'm from one Florida defensive back to another in terms of personality. Yeah, I've had to kind of go and learn my Florida geography here because Miami, Fort Lauderdale, everyone recruits it. That is SEC territory. AC, everybody across the country is recruiting. There's so much talent uh, in that area. But Illinois, uh, under Lovey Smith, really found a lot of you know, fruitful recruitments in, in the Tampa area. This staff, really, the Space Coast is what you hear. And I had to look that up. It's kind of like between Jacksonville and Miami, a little bit in that Orlando area. They found a, a lot there. Um, and, and I think that's what, you know, the coach of, uh, you know, um, Amar Reynolds of Vero Beach was talking about. They kind of know where to pick their spots, maybe what's under uh, looked in, in Florida a little bit. And, you know, Aaron Henry's from inland, you know, Immokalee, uh, Florida, kind of, a little bit more of a rural area. So I, I think he's got connections in that area. Now you add Antonio Finellis to it. Uh, but Amar Reynolds, man, like you put on the film and it looks like an Illinois defensive back, right? Like there, you said it, Joey, there are traits that this staff really focuses on. And with Amar Reynolds, it is length and it is physicality. Uh, he's a really good athlete too, but um, when, when you – that film has a lot of volume to it. Um, but, yeah, when you look at his film, it's a lot of great traits. He's long. He's athletic. 
But the place that really sticks out and what uh, Lundy Jankowski, his head coach at Vero Beach, because Amara just transferred in this spring, but they're allowed 20 padded practice. Like the spring football in Florida is a big deal. They allow a lot of contact during that time. Uh, he just shows a ton of physicality in his tape. So I'm wondering if he's a nickel. I'm wondering if he's a corner. Seems like he'll be, you know, a corner kind of nickel kind of guy. But um, the physical traits are there really quick. You'll see on this return that we're playing uh, on our YouTube. There, there's there's quickness. There's speed. Um, the guy guy's probably gonna take a couple years to develop. You know, they got so many young defensive backs. But add him to the mix, man. Long, physical, athletic, ball skills. There. That that's Illinois and Florida defensive backs there. Yeah, and as while you were talking, I was going through and looking. It was Jaheim Clark that Aaron Henry yeah. was talking to us about in Florida. He says, for my backyard, or can I read the quote if I could really, or just a section of it? Uh, Being in my backyard, it was so easy. I was just trying to hide him because he's right up the road from a rival high school. Like, that's what when we say they know the landscape, that was Aaron Henry on Jaheim Clark, by the way. Like, that's what we're talking about, where you know places, as you mentioned, the space coach, which is a new um, term for me, but like, they know those those areas and where to find guys, and they built those relationships. Brett Bielma, and that's how he got Aaron Henry. That's how he got Antonio Fernandez. So they, there's like long, long, long relationships built in the state of Florida where, where coaches are comfortable, even though their guys might be going very far away from home. Like they're comfortable with who they're going up there with, and these guys know what they're looking for, man. And like you hate to keep repeating it, but it's very clear. And this. I don't know. Like, they all have a little bit different traits, but yeah. the fundamentals of what they're after. Like, Lubby has some measurables, if I'm remembering correctly. Like, it seems like the staff has more – like, they, they've got a lot of personality. And not really – I don't know you call them measurables, but traits that, that seem like make or break points. Lovey took guys under six foot. This staff really doesn't. <laughs> like, they're, they're going to take guys who are long. And the thing that stands out to me, Joey, is just the physicality. You know, they, you know, Ryan Walters talked a lot about pull the trigger. Like, he wants guys who pull the trigger. That's what all these guys do on film. Like, Jaheim Clark. Jaheim Clark was probably 155 pounds as a high school junior. But you watch that film, he hits like he's a 220-pound linebacker. Like, he's just fearless. He's he, Like, that mentality is, is what makes Devin Witherspoon great. I think it's what makes Taz Nicholson uh, able to play beyond his measurables. And, and I think Tyler Strange showed a little bit of that. Uh, as well, and, and you know, Tyler Strain's kind of the one guy of that Lovey Smith class that's kind of lasted in the defensive backfield, despite being undersized, just because I think of his mentality. Um, so that, that's something they certainly uh, are looking for. So they add one for the defensive back, Joey. But like, it'll be interesting to see what else they add in the secondary because they're looking to add more for the defensive backs. They already have Vernon Woodward. They have Amar Reynolds, Ricky Knight. Four-star defensive back out of Florida is going to announce his decision on July 1st. Florida State and Miami could be really tough to beat there. Uh, Kevin Levi, a, a teammate of Ricky Knight, uh, really fast, one of the fastest prospects in the class of 2023 or 2024. Uh, seems like Florida State's in a good spot there. The guy I'm really interested in is Dalen Platt. Uh, he visited Ole, Ole Miss here a couple weeks ago. Friendly name, Kinoto Hudson is recruiting him to Ole Miss. But Aaron Henry has made Dalen Platt a top target, and I'm interested to see if, if Illinois is able to close on him in the coming weeks. Chase Green, under-recruited guy, another one Largo, which is not really recruited. Um, in the Tampa area, we remember, of course, Largo, Bobby Roundtree was from there. Uh, I, I think he's under-recruited. I, I think he's a great pure playmaker. Not as not as many physical traits, but length is some of these other guys, but I think he's a really good free safety or nickel prospect. Uh, and then Xavier Lucas, who took five official visits this past you know couple weeks. Uh, he's a really good player. Visit Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, Oregon State as well. Rutgers, I believe, was in there. So it seems like he's going to head to the Big Ten. Wisconsin and Iowa are obviously entrenched there, but I think Chase Green and Dalen Platt are, are the ones to watch there, and you know Illinois continues to push for for Lucas and Knight. Yeah, Dalen Platt's interesting because I, I talked with Keynoto Hudson before the draft about Devin Witherspoon, and much like Ryan Walters has a cell that that he crafted uh, or I guess added to at Illinois, Keynoto Hudson's not very bashful about the fact that he uh, he was in early. I mean, he he was a lead recruiter. Yeah, he's the one. He's the De- one who recruited him. He's the one that's, that's like, right. we got to get this kid. So for Devin Witherspoon, yeah. and he's he's um, 
he wants to make sure his fingerprints are on that development story as well. And I'm sure that is also probably part of the pitch uh, w- when you're looking at that. But yeah, those, those two, Dalen Platt, Chase Green, would be the likely one. Xavier Lucas is so interesting uh, because I think you and I both find interest in the fact that no one's really talked to him. He's he like, he's doing this thing and then he's, he's keeping pretty quiet. So I'm wondering how much hinges on where he's at and, and you know, what his his plans are. But I think you and I still expect a handful of Florida defensive backs to to jump on board at some point over the course of the next month or so. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention here is look at this rivalry recruiting-wise between Illinois and Wisconsin, right? Like, I guess Oklahoma, you could mention too. Illinois with three straight wins over Oklahoma in recruiting. What, what a new day uh, that'll be. But the Badgers in, early in this class had the upper hand uh, in these head to head battles. And you think of last year, even when that staff was, you know, under fire and, you know, uh, got fired, Paul Chris was fired. They were, they were beating out Illinois in these battles. But Illinois crushes Wisconsin last year. But then Luke Fickle comes in, gives them some recruiting momentum. They land Grant Steck, four-star tight end out of Illinois. Derek Jensen, in-state kid. You figured if Wisconsin offered, they'd be able to land him. So Derek Jensen, Wisconsin kid, goes to Wisconsin. Illinois loved Timus Heiberger, uh, edge prospect, linebacker prospect out of South Dakota. Uh, Wisconsin lands him. Rafael Dunn, a linebacker prospect. Uh, Wisconsin lands him. But then Illinois flips Vernon Woodward from his Wisconsin commitment. They land Joe Barna. Uh, and, Joey, we'll see if uh, Illinois can – I don't want to say steal Darion Dupree, the four-star running back out of Chicago, Mount Carmel. But everyone's kind of considered Wisconsin the favorite coming into this month. I would agree with that coming into this month, but I didn't think it was close to a done deal. Uh, and it feels like this is dragging out a little bit. And I think Wisconsin's probably a little bit uncomfortable with that. I think Illinois has a lot to do with that, as well as Missouri. Uh, Darion Dupree just visited Missouri. So um, this Illinois-Wisconsin battle, it's – Illinois is kind of getting under the craw of some Wisconsin fans, and they're just not used to that. Wisconsin usually gets what it wants against Illinois, so I think that's a, a positive sign about where Illinois is going to land Woodward, to land Barna, and really make this a battle for Darian Dupree. Yeah, I mean, you're not measured against who you go. I mean, you know, on the field you're measured who you can go up against, but Illinois is, like, those years of Amar Reynolds, notwithstanding, like there's power five offers in Illinois, or Wisconsin. Amar had Indiana, so yeah, that's right. Yeah, Wisconsin feels like it is. This is the year of the Wisconsin battle. We'll see if that um, holds to next year. Uh, but yeah, it's you're beating Wisconsin for recruits, like you said. That's not been the case, especially in in some of those, like yeah, in state, but some of those, uh, especially the suburbs are just as close to Madison as yeah. they are to Champaign. Um, it's just in a different state. Uh, so to go in and win head-to-head, you're not going to win them all. They know that. Um, but they're, they're really they're getting some good ones there. And Dupree's, we'll see what happens. I don't even know if there's a timeline on the table for him. doesn't seem like he's – he seems like a pretty quiet guy, much like Xavier Lucas. Uh, but that, this feels like the, the Wisconsin year. I don't know if it will hold up every year, but – a couple years ago it was Iowa. Now it's Wisconsin, Purdue. Yeah, let's focus on some of these uncommitted guys and who could be next, Joey. Uh, let's let's bring up running back. Illinois got two really good options. It's whether they can land one of them. Darion Dupree is considering um, Wisconsin, Missouri, Illinois. Most considerate in Illinois. Uh, Wisconsin battle here. Both have great cells for running backs, right? I mean, 
both have great sells for where the where the program's going. A new coach in Wisconsin who's in the college football playoff. I mean, Madison's a great college town. But so Champaign, uh, and uh, it's home, home state. There's Chicago guys on this roster. Uh, I think that's a heck of a battle. But Khalil Valentine's another one, four-star prospect out of Arizona, visited this past weekend. Uh, he's a top 400 prospect, four-star prospect in the composite, has speed, versatility, same kind of things Dupree has. It's interesting because Illinois and Wisconsin both have Dupree. As, if they could land him, they'd probably be maybe done at running back. Wisconsin has another running back committed, but they want two. Uh, but they also hosted Dylan Jones out of Maryland, a four-star running back uh, a couple weeks ago. Illinois hosted Valentine, a four-star running back. So uh, Valentine's also considering Utah. It's closer to home. Utah, I know we don't think about it a lot here in Illinois. Kyle Whittingham is a phenomenal program. He, he took over after Urban Meyer and has won a couple Pac-12 championships here recently. That's really, you know, kind of built a Wisconsin-like program out in Utah. Uh, so they're not going to be easy to beat head to head, but um, it will be interesting to see how these dominoes fall. And if who who blinks first is Darion Dupree to commit to one of them? Is it Wisconsin's like, hey, we got to get one of these guys? Is it Illinois? Maybe Valentine says, hey, I'm going to commit, and Illinois is just like, yeah, we we got to get one of these guys. We can't be caught. Um, so it's going to be interesting the next couple days, weeks, about how the conversations go and and what kind of moves these teams and these prospects make. Yeah, I mean, if you're Darion Dupree. I don't know if you should feel rushed. Like, yeah, they both schools had a four star, but it's pretty clear that you're the number one back on their board. Um, you you can kind of make this decision on your own timeline, right? Like that's that's how I look at it. I don't know how he looks at it, but it's. I mean, you're gonna have your pick here. Um, I don't know. I guess what happens if Valentine blanks or Wisconsin gets the other one? But I wouldn't feel very rushed if I were him. Yeah, unless he prefers one. That's it. That's, sure. that's, yeah. that's the only thing there. Um, offensive line, Joey, they're, they're shooting high. Caleb Pyfrom, you were able to talk with uh, last couple days. Uh, they had Brett Carroll, three-star Kansas offensive lineman, who they love, uh, on campus here recently. Basically, I, I think that offensive line spot is shoot high. Uh, we got two good ones already. Uh, and Brandon Hansen, Zafir Stewart, Eddie Turk could potentially play there. If we can add n- another – high level power five prospect um it's kind of a cherry on top so i don't think there's a lot of pressure on landing those they could always develop they could always look at the juco market uh coming up this fall but uh it'll be interesting to see if they can their online sales able to close on one of those guys yeah two really good options there and again we, we've talked about it. it helps having the fact that eddie turk can play both and you can kind of we'll talk with him obviously about his preference but you have some flexibility there if you can get another offensive lineman um, you can get Turk over on defense. Yeah, I mean, see what your cell can get you at this point. You, you've built, I think, most of your class. Uh, junior college, that was a good point, Jeremy. That's been a market they've tapped into. They're not afraid to tap into that junior college market. It's been fruitful. Um, so, so maybe they go back that route. But that's it's very low pressure. Bart Miller can can probably put his feet up here for a couple months after after the month of June. Yeah, and then the the. One of the last guys I want to mention here is uh, three-star tight end Tanner Hollinger. You know, after Carson Conkle landed with Illinois and committed to Illinois, I was thinking, oh, are they actually going to have Hollinger on official visit? They did, and then they offered him, and it sounds like they're in a really good position to land him. I'd be surprised if they don't, uh, unless something changed with with the scholarships and what they want to take here, Joey. Uh, 6'5", 230. They love his physicality. They love how blue-collar he is. Comes from a town of 1,000 people in Nebraska, two hours west of Omaha, so smack dab in the middle of Nebraska. Eight-man football. Uh, but Robbie Disher seems to really like him. So I didn't know if they were going to take two tight ends in this class. But I kind of understand. I think there's a big position to need. Because what is there after Tip Ryman? You got two more years of him. Uh, but what is there after that? I think Henry Boyer is going to be a big part of that. But uh, I got question marks um, after that. So to add Conkle, to add Hollinger, I think you feel pretty a lot better about your long-term depth and the competition there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. My concern would be much in the way that we've talked about wide receiver this offseason would maybe be closer to how we talk about tight end next is that intermediate depth uh, because some of these tight ends are, are going to take time to develop. So what's that in the middle? Do I know Tanner Arkham's got a couple years of eligibility. So does Tip Ryman. Uh, so maybe that helps. Um, but, but I do wonder – how much depth you have right there. And, and Henry Boyer, we, we think it's going to be a big part of that. 
Uh, Griffin Moore, obviously, it's his final year. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a position that we thought all along was going to be a position that Illinois would excel recruiting because of Brett Bielma, because of Barry Lunny. And we just haven't seen some of those top, top targets. We, we talked about this with Conkle. Um, jump on board. Conkle obviously did. But I, I have, I'm with you. Two tight ends is interesting. I wonder if that tells us anything about how they feel um, about the development in that room. But it, to me, it seems like it's kind of a matter of time for Hollinger. Yeah, because we knew Gwynn was a developmental prospect, but Owen Anderson going into his second year. Boyer, uh, Owen Anderson seems buried on the depth chart right now. Um, Boyer seems like he's going to be part of the rotation. Like, uh-huh. like him and Arkin probably fighting for spots behind Griffin Moore and, and Tip Ryman there, but uh, they're going to use two tight ends. Um, so th- it's a really important position. I, I know people focus on the, on the catches. They need more dynamic receivers for sure. I think Conkle potentially can be that, but they also need good blockers, and I think that's what they love about Hollinger. I think they think Conkle can be more of the speed threat, seam threat, uh, guy who can get the ball in his hands and make plays. I think they see Hollinger more as like, hey, this might take a couple years of development, but we think he's going to commit to the weight room, and we think he can be the next Tip Ryman. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think you you look at a guy like, to your point, everyone wants to see the catches, and those are important, and Brett Bielman and Barry Lunny have had those important parts of their offense. You're going to miss a guy like Michael Marquez and that blocking. Like, like that's the stuff that you miss is a guy who's just ready to put put the nose down and go out there and do the work. And I think Henry Boyer is going to step into that role. But that like that is maybe the overlooked part is you see more tight ends streaking down the field um, just across college football. Yeah. All right, Joe, let's get to some questions on our live YouTube audience here. If you guys want a question before we get out of here, you can send those in. We appreciate you guys. Give us a like uh, while you're watching this live or, or watching the playback of it. We always appreciate you guys doing that. It helps us out a lot. Um, one question. Can't wait to see where all these dudes end up playing. Barna and Eddie could both end up on the D line. I mean, Barna's been recruited to be an outside linebacker. Now, can those guys put their hand on the ground and play – uh, defensive end, absolutely. Like we've seen that with a lot of these guys uh, the last couple of years. But um, Eddie Turk would definitely be a defensive lineman. Eddie, you know, I think prefers defensive lineman or has, but he's been more, um, I guess, open-minded about playing offensive line. I think you see some opportunity there. You know, Illinois has a pretty good center, I think, future with, with T.J. McMillan. But Eddie Turk could add competition there. He could potentially play guard. Uh, but uh, my vibe is he, he could play either, and, and it's kind of undecided at this point. And he told me he doesn't know where he's going to play, uh, and, and Illinois is really open-minded about it as well. That's that's a good thing, though, to have football players that, that can play multiple positions. Yeah, and it, it helps as you're building out this class. I think there's probably some around Eddie who, who would maybe think offensive line is the better or path or preferred path to him, but you're, you're talking about bringing in a guy who – who gives you a legitimate option to play both. We haven't been able to say that, Jeremy, yeah. um, in a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, another question, how many guys can they even take in 24? This is an interesting question. Of course, it's always changing, right, with, with attrition. Illinois only has nine seniors that are definitely out of eligibility after this year. Now, some guys might not get a fifth or sixth year, uh, potentially. Guys are going to enter the transfer portal after this season. Illinois – you know, had what ten after this past year? Some of those guys still leftovers from the previous staff, but still, you're going to have some attrition of guys who just want a, a different opportunity. I, I would kind of market Joey eighteen to twenty would, would kind of be my look at it. Whether some of those are JUCOs or not, I'm not sure. They're going to leave some open spots for transfers, but I, I think a good number would be you know that seventeen to twenty range of, of prep prospects, especially with like you know who they're targeting, the positions they're targeting. I would expect at least one more edge. It seems like another tight end, a running back, probably two more defensive backs. And then after that, maybe another offensive lineman. That, that's about, what, five, six guys that I mentioned right there? So uh, that would make sense to me if they get in that 18 to 20 range. Yeah, I think that's and that's probably probably year over year. Like I would imagine that to be the case just with the portal the way that it is. But there's still some room. And again, like we talked about, they're not going to turn away a guy that they really want because of a timeline. Like they benefited from programs in the past during Brett Bielma's tenure, turning away guys because they were full. I, I just don't see if they really want a guy. I just don't imagine them turning away. They'll, they'll figure out a way to make that work. Jeremy asks, are we going to get 
a visit from Bricks after the dead period. Yeah, the dead period, I should mention, started uh, on Monday, and that goes for the next month. So the staff actually, Joey, is going to go get some vacation time, whether they decide to go on trips or not, but uh, much-deserved time off for them. Grant Bricks is a four-star offensive line prospect out of Iowa. Seems like the only kid out of Iowa that Iowa is not going to land. Kansas State has a crystal ball uh, prediction. Nebraska, Alabama, Oklahoma are involved there. Illinois has been in conversation, but the only way they could probably get him on campus is if he prolongs his recruitment. And and it's not it's not a guy I think they're you know ridiculously optimistic that they're going to land. They've had conversations with him, top one hundred prospect, but um, I, I wouldn't count on that. I, I think Caleb Pyfrom or, or Brett Carroll are far more, far more likely. And then after all this settles, Joey, after figuring out who they get, who they don't, then you go into the fall and, and see who you evaluate, who's open, who you could flip. Uh, but I think the focus will pretty much turn to 2025, but it'll more focus on the JUCO targets and any late developers. Yeah, I'm with you. It's one of those that falls into your lap. You don't run away from it, but I, I don't know if it's realistic to, to really hope and, and dream about landing him. Patrick Ass is Antoine Hayden, more of an inside linebacker, outside linebacker. He practices with the inside linebackers, so that that's a position. But Kanena Odaluga does too. And would you call? I mean, Kanena Odaluga is more of a designated pass rusher than either of those positions. So, um, yeah, that's what I like about what they're doing, Joey. They're adding a lot of different pieces. Some guys uh, might just be some sub package guys at some point. Yeah, I mean, I think we saw early on Kalon Tolson was a very similar uh, player. So. Yeah, practice with inside, but it seems like there's a position in that defense uh, designed for one of those inside backers to be a rusher. All right, uh, Woo Poppy, enough of the aw shuck stuff, guys. They should be winning these battles, and they lost out on a top 10 DB to Kansas, mostly because they prioritized out-of-state three stars. Risky. Uh, oh, the last line was the key. I mean, at that point, anything else. I mean, yeah, we can cherry-pick who they lost. Yeah, they lost um, – this is Austin Alexander. He's referring Austin to Austin Alexander. Thank you to Kansas. They did. I mean, they also flipped a guy from Wisconsin, and, and I apparently we're mad because he's not from the state of Illinois. I don't. I'm struggling to follow. Austin. Yeah, and I do find it interesting that Illinois didn't host Austin Alexander on that first weekend. I, I, I just I find that interesting that they didn't seem to push that hard to to get him on campus at least right away. He's a good player. He's a really good prospect, but. They did land. Vernon Woodward's a hell of a prospect. And okay, yeah, they have not landed a top 10 in state prospect yet. And uh, Darion Dupree is not, according to the, the any of the rankings. Uh, he is on the 24 7 sports composite, so he would be one. Um, if you have one, if you feel like Illinois should be beating Notre Dame, Clemson, you know, Purdue landed one, that, that one hurt. Luke Williams, that one hurt. Grant Steck goes to Wisconsin. Uh, but I, I think Austin Alexander is the same level of prospect as, as Eddie Turk, Carson Conkle, Tyshawn Griffin. Like I, I think Vernon Woodward, I'd probably have ranked a little higher than him, to be honest with you. So if you're not going to take – like I'm not saying you should be – like if you want to be upset about Illinois football not landing a bunch of five stars, not landing a bunch of top two, four, seven prospects, all right, okay. But I think Brett Bielma is, should give you some confidence that – they're starting to win power five recruiting battles. Uh, they're getting good players. They are building a, a strong foundation. Last year, they land Malik Elzey. Last year, they land Caden Fagan. Those guys are top 10 prospects. I think they're going to land some top 10 prospects in 2025 as well. They, they seem confident about that. But the, you're in those battles, right? And then it becomes a recruiting battle. And let's be honest. Illinois has one above average season in the Big Ten to sell. Yeah, I, I, look, and I don't think you and I are excusing like, or trying to say, like, hey, don't go get top 10 guys in the state. Why would you? That's not the message. Um, like, Luke Williams is the one way more. Like, I know this guy has picked out Austin Alexander, who's, like you said, is a good prospect. Luke Williams is the one they put everything in for. Yeah. Uh, like, that one stings. It's going to sting because he's playing an hour and a half from you. Like, that, that one hurts. But And Purdue is recruiting really well. They are recruiting very, very well. Um Look, man, I, I get it. I, but the, the I guess the part that kind of lost me was over three stars from Florida. I, Florida's been lucrative. I mean, if you don't want three stars from Florida, go back in time and tell Devin Witherspoon to get lost. Everyone I talk to, okay, 
And this includes in-state people, in-state coaches, in-state evaluators. They'll tell you that guys in Chicagoland get, get a little overrated when guys you know other where, elsewhere probably get a little underrated. When you're in Texas or Florida, it gets all these phenomenal prospects. But you still have to recruit the state because there's so many good players that you can build a foundation on. And, and they will want to play together and they want to play close to home. Um so I, I guess I'm not going to make anybody happy that, like, yeah, you want to land more four-stars. I agree with you. Uh, it, but it's not easy, especially for a program that for most of these kids' lives and the generation before them has been irrelevant. This program, like, it's not going to happen overnight. So, like, Ron Zook was able to turn it really quickly because he was a hell of a recruiter, right? It wasn't sustainable, what he was doing. Like, it, it just didn't sustain itself. Partly because he wasn't as good of a developer, coach, whatever you want to say. But like Brett Bielma has shown he's a good coach. He's going to develop guys. And now you're starting to get more high-level recruiting wins, whether it's top 20 prospects, top 10 prospects, more power five recruiting wins. Um, I mean, everybody in this class, Brian, Brandon Hansen has not reported any power five offers, but he has them. Um, yeah, every, every guy in this class is a power five offer. Which has not been the case. And even in, uh, that's not a shot of the previous. It's like even in Bielma's first year, like that first class, there was not a, a ton of Power Five offers around. All right, last one, and we'll wrap this one up. Joey Damon says, which of the three star commits is most likely going to get a bump to a five, four star? Man, that's difficult. Um, I don't see Tyshawn Griffin. I think Eddie Turk. He's a four-star level prospect for me. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, the guy that maybe if he had a great senior year would be Woodward for me, but I, I I don't think he's quite there. Like I've mentioned, Ricky Knight, I thought was a four-star level prospect. All of a sudden, I think Rivals gave him a big bump, and now he's a four-star composite guy. So uh, that was a guy I thought was a, a little bit underrated, but I think Woodward's uh, potentially right there with him. Yeah, I, I think those are the best options there. Um, Woodward. Would, would really be the guy for me. Tyshawn Griffin could put up ridiculous numbers this year, uh, but Woodward would be the guy. Yeah. All right, that'll do so it. There, there's one more yeah. I just want to add just yeah. really quickly. Someone said, um, let me find it here. You can do all the cool stuff and pull it up. Uh, will they take another quarterback in the class? I don't envision that. Yeah. Uh, typically when you're recruiting quarter, number one, quarterbacks commit early. There's not a lot of 24 quarterbacks out there. I think that would, would move the needle and risk upsetting uh, the commitment you have in, in, in Trey Petty right now, um, so usually it's one, right? Usually. That's not a hard and fast rule, and I know someone will point out a fact that such and such program took multiple, but usually it's it's not a multiple thing. It's usually hard to sell to. Like, uh, there, there's been some years you get a guy with a couple power five offers, and then I think back to, like, Miles Osei, you know, came in as a second quarterback. That might have been with Shieldhouse, uh, or right after Shieldhouse. Um but yeah, that that stuff or maybe it was Riley O'Toole, but that stuff can happen. But it's rare, especially with the transfer portal now. Um, usually, you're going to get maybe a prep guy and a transfer guy. You know, if Luke Altmaier, they they like Donovan Leary, man. They want him around for a while. They they feel like he can be a really good player for them, or at least a really good option for them. Trey Petty will develop. Cal Swanson will develop. Yeah, I don't see another one. Uh, Brett Bielma does not often go more than four scholarship sometimes he only goes three and right now i think they'll have four for the next year um and you can find walk-ons to get to give you a little bit of depth if you need to like john paddock is a walk-on what a bargain that is man like um, yeah and if you're taking one every class which generally do um it's hard to take to take multiple in that front because obviously you only play if you're knocking on wood you only play one uh brad i'll sneak this one in what are our chances on nick ricky knight Florida State has crystal balls. I think Illinois made a good impression, Joey. They have a good sell with Devin Witherspoon. But Florida State and Miami still have a pull for these Florida prospects, right? Especially with a, a newer coach and Mario Crystal Ball. Mike Norvell had a good year, really good year last year. Some people think they could be college football playoff contender this year. Uh, and when, when you got a bunch of Florida guys going there, guys they play with, uh, I think it could be tough to pull those out. But we know Brett Bielma is retweeting them a lot. <laughs> Uh, so the, the the push is still happening, obviously. Brett Bielema will not go quietly uh, into the Florida night. 
And Tobias, you squeezed it in. Where in the rankings do you feel Illinois will land in recruiting in 2024? I think they will end up in the 35 to 40 range. I think that's where that's where you're going to live. You're going to live on developing. You want to keep increasing that as we go on. Like Iowa, Wisconsin kind of usually live in that 30 to, to 45 range. I think Illinois will kind of be in there as well. Um, and, and then you develop. But Iowa's pushed it up here recently. Wisconsin's pushed it up here recently. Uh, I just think Bielma was brought in to be Iowa to be Wisconsin. That That's what he was brought in to be. And those things take some time. But you land good players and you develop them. That's that's what Bielma has shown he can do so far, Joey. Yeah, and over time, you'd like to see that go from 35 to 40 to somewhere in that 27 to 35 um, yeah. ballpark. But that takes winning seasons. That takes NFL. Multiple continued NFL pitches. Um, like that, that stuff takes time. So I think this year, that somewhere in that range um, is about where I would expect. I do have a podcast with uh, Derek Piper. I was actually podcasting with Piper, recording it uh, as the news happened with Joe Barna. So I was getting a message from Joe. I'm like, oh, there's there's another commitment. Uh, so that'll that'll come out tomorrow. Uh, we go really in depth on Ty Rogers potentially as is a point guard. We talk about Brandon Pajimski. Joey, you said you missed this one. Yeah, I'm bummed, man. I, uh, <laughs> the only it wasn't live, so I guess not the live ones I read read it along and i'm it's a lot a lot of interest in my <laughs> basketball apparently huh yeah and we also dive into some recruiting so that'll be out tomorrow but appreciate everyone for listening to today's podcast especially our live youtube listeners give us a like on the youtube page as you get out of here subscribe to us hit the notifications bell really appreciate when you guys do that and all our podcast listeners follow us wherever you get your podcast subscribe to us there we appreciate all the support and we got plenty coming up on the website joey i had a, i did my five guys who could be next in the class and one of them got scooped up like 20 minutes after i published so i had to had to re-up that one so i might have to re-up say you know the list was good you didn't you had him on the list not to to give away anything you had joe bonner on the list and joe bonner committed probably saw it and was trying to help you out i would I, imagine i appreciate that uh, need joe, all the help you can get joey's gonna catch up with joe later maybe talk about being joe's oh man that was tough that was tough <laughs> Tough dad joke look, man. That did not land. Just doing my best Barry Lunny over here. Barry Lunny's Twitter gift game. We, we should quickly and mostly jokingly talk about that. Very, Barry Lunny. Like, we've gotten a chance to talk to Barry a lot. Um, I don't know very... if enough people appreciate his humor in press conferences because it is the most dry humor. And and I, I appreciate that. I will say he's still getting comfortable with, with us as a media group and all of it. So usually if he drops something like that, he, he does kind of joke around back. Yeah. I, I would like him to get to a point where he can just say it and just keep on trucking and, yeah. and not circle back to it. But he's a pretty funny dude, and his Twitter gift game has been on point. Yeah, because some people might just be like, yeah, what the heck was that? And us who know Barry would be like, oh, that's just Barry just messing with everybody. But appreciate everybody for listening to the podcast. Check out everything at IlliniInquirer.com, including my lame dad jokes, as Joey likes to explain. Uh, Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other, and we will talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.